You are now listening to the Washington football team declassified podcast with L.E. And Eric. And you are going to love it. Stay tuned. Washington football team declassified is presented by Grafted App, a soon to launch app connecting consumers to Christian owned businesses. You can visit them at graftedapp.com for more information or to apply for your listing. Welcome back to another episode. I should say a very special episode of the Washington football team declassified podcast. We got special guests in the building, but first, as always, we're presented by Grafted App. They're doing great work. Uh, If you have a business that is a Christian-owned business and you want to get registered on their site, visit graftedapp.com, get registered, and uh, they're going to launch pretty soon. So stay tuned with them. We'll start with Charles. Charles is in the building. How you doing, Charles? Hey, how's it going, man? Wonderful. Mike Pyatt is joining us. Mike, tell us what your situation is and where you're from. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, Like you said, my name is Mike Pyatt. Um, I'm the host of Eddie and Mike, the podcast. Uh, me and my guy, Eddie Pickering, started the podcast earlier this year. I think it was like the first week of February. Like we really, really love sports. We love talking about all DC teams and we're just excited about what's going on in the area right now. So again, that's Eddie and Mike, the podcast. And yeah, if you like talking sports, just check it out. And I'm sorry, Charles, I didn't give you a chance to shout out your work, man. Tell the people they can find you and what you got going on. No problem. No problem, man. So um, you can find me on social media. I'm all over Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. I'm Chucks Moranin. That's C-H-U-X-M-A-R-A-N-A-N. I'm part of A2D Radio, which is a Philly-based internet sports radio company. But we don't just cover Philly. We cover national news, too. And we cover so many things from, like, the four major sports the combat sports, wrestling, gaming, gambling even. And we have different shows every day, all over social media. Um, I'm the co-host of uh, Birds of a Feather, which is an Eagles-based and NFL show every Thursday night on the A2D platforms. And um, for the company, I'm also a content creator. I write weekly articles for A2D's website, and I create weekly film breakdown videos for A2D's social platforms. And all of my content, whether it be articles, videos, it can be seen on both A2Ds and my personal socials. Again, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all over the place. Um, I specialize in running back evaluations and breakdowns, but I break down film of all the other positions and and dive into X's and O's as well. So um, I cover as much as I can, but my specialty is definitely running back. So again, that's uh, Chucks Moranin, C-H-U-X-M-A-R-A-N-A-N. And that is some of the best stuff you will find on the internet. Please check him out for sure. Eric, how you doing this week, man? I'm doing okay. Chuck's a tough act to follow, though. I don't I don't do nearly as much as he does. I watch a I lot know. of TV. I know, that's, right? That's um, what I do. Yeah. He introduced himself after me, and I'm like, man, that's a resume right there. Yeah, I know. It's like following Jimi Hendrix at a concert. Like, what am I gonna do with that? It, it, I'm still building it, man. You guys will get there. I love your show. I listen to um some of the episodes, and you guys do great work. I, I really, really, um, it's a pleasure having um being on your show. We appreciate that. So let's jump right into it. Okay, we're here to talk about running backs, running backs, and this is personally my favorite position on the football field. I hate when people say running backs are a dying breed. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I don't want to see an NFL without it. But we're going to talk specifically about NFC East running backs. We're going to go one by one for each team and talk about the starters. And we're going to start with the New York Giants. 
Chuck, where are you at with, we got Saquon Barkley as a starter. They let Gallman go. We're not worried about that. But Saquon coming off an injury, how good is he? And uh, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so Saquon, it's, I feel like over the past year or so, he's become kind of divisive. You know, like he's, he's the second overall pick by the Giants. So much hype around him. And honestly, I was, I bought into that hype. I still buy into that hype. Saquon to me, talent-wise, strictly just talent, is a generational talent. I haven't seen in my lifetime since Barry Sanders someone at his size who can move the way he does. So on a physical talent standpoint, he's the most talented running back I've seen since Barry. Now, to be an elite player, that's a different thing. When you when you're talking about an elite player, and I always say this to people is there's a difference between being an elite talent and being an elite player. When you're talking about being an elite player, you got to have durability. You got to have the numbers to back it up and all that. And Saquon, so far, his issue has been staying healthy. You know, he had that um, high ankle sprain in 2019 and he missed what, four weeks, I believe came back um, surprisingly sooner than a lot of people thought. But then last year, he was out almost all year. I think believe was with a torn ACL. So injury. Now you got to talk about it. Like is, is he going to be able to recover and get back to physical form? But you know, with Saquon to me, the physical talent, he's as gifted as anyone I've ever seen. You know, a lot of people talk about his, his, his one, his main weakness being his vision. You know, they always say, Oh, he has horrible vision coming out. He always would bounce it to the outside, not get North South. And there was, there's credence to that, but you know, I, it's funny because I just started doing a deep dive into his film for 2019. And one of my projects for the summer is to kind of see if that notion is actually still accurate or not. And so far, what I've seen is that he has improved in with his vision. You know, he doesn't take runs as many runs to the outside. He's become more of a disciplined runner. Now, is it perfect or elite or great? No, not yet. But it's now at a level where I can say it's good. And it's it's getting better, so that that narrative is kind of kind of out there that that people have. It's kind of not accurate anymore because he's improving that. But again, he's got to stay healthy. And in terms of talent, he is a generational talent. But now he's got to translate that over to being reliable enough and staying healthy enough to produce on the field. For sure. And Mike, I'm gonna throw it to you. If you could, t- if you had to redo that draft, are you taking Saquon in the same spot? If you had the choice. What year was that? Um, 18, 2018. At that pick, you have to, when you go back to those drafts, you have to remember what the team's situation were at the time at the pick. So knowing what the Giants needed, probably still go with him because you have to remember what he was doing at Penn State too. Like the potential was there. It sucks that he's been injured the last few seasons, but like Chuck said, the, the talent is there. And if he could stay healthy, he could easily be the most dangerous running back in the division. And Eric, based on his production, is Saquon Barkley overrated? I don't think so. Um, the, the injuries, like Chuck said, is, is kind of a big deal with him. And that 
what I really, I, I like the comparison you made to Barry Sanders because like looking at him play, like looking at film and highlights, that's what he looks like is Barry Sanders. But it really serves as a testament to how excellent Barry Sanders was that he had the, the healthy career that he had um, playing with the ability to run like that. And the one elite trait that Barry had that I think Saquon does not have and it's kind of a, it's a weird trait because you don't really think about it in terms of like greatness as running backs. You think about like highlight plays, you think about pass protection, you think about all those things that like direct things, but it's kind of a soft stat. And that's the ability to avoid big hits, the ability to not get the contact, those, those crushing hits and kind of stay, minimize the wear and tear on your body. And Barry Sanders really had a, really did a good job of that. Emmett Smith was another one that was great at that. You know, they would, they, you, you remember them getting tackled, but you never really hit, you know, there wasn't a lot of, I don't want to say initiating contact, but they're, they had a really, they had a knack to, of not taking hard contact. And that's how they, a, good, a big part of why they stayed injury free. And I think Saquon probably needs to work on that more than anything else. Um, but as far as from a production standpoint, um, when he's there, he's outstanding. He, he might turn into the, the New York Giants version of Jordan Reed. Um, 50% of the time he works every time. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he's he's fantastic uh, to watch him play. But, yeah, the health is a, is a major factor. Um, and, and at that draft, if I'm the Giants in 2018, I'm taking a quarterback, regardless of how uh, one of those guys turned out, like a Josh Allen may not have worked out there or Sam Darnold may not have worked out in uh, with the Giants. But I'm still taking a quarterback based on what they needed over him, uh, over Barkley. Uh, and then maybe Barkley falls a little further down the draft. But, um, yeah, I, I – I don't have a problem with Barkley. He's an excellent player. Nobody is in Barry Sanders territory for me. That's my all-time favorite. He's in a tier of his own. Yeah, he, he is. does things he nobody is. else could do. And yeah. he was so far and away so much better and so different than what everybody else. It's kind of like that Jordan effect. Like when Jordan was in the NBA, nobody, no other player was doing the moves Jordan was doing. That's kind of how Barry Sanders was for me. So it's hard for me to put somebody else close to that category. Um, I do like Saquon a lot, though. And, and his, his contributions in the passing game and the run game both, I think, make him an excellent player. Got to stay healthy. All right, Charles, let's go to um, Philadelphia. You know, your, 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 your hometown, your favorite squad here. <laughs> let's talk about Miles Sanders a little bit. Give us some info on him. What do you think about him? Yeah, so Miles right now, um, it's funny because the, the year after Saquon got drafted, that's when Miles entered the draft. And at that point with the Eagles, we were in dire need of a running back, you know, like we had, we were just gone through phases of uh, Wendell Smallwood as being our starter. We, we were, we were hurting and, you know, running back was one of our biggest needs. And um, I see Sanders, a kid who started for the first time uh, in his collegiate career because he had been behind Saquon and as big of a Saquon advocate that I was, I see Sanders and I'm like, this kid is talented too. I mean, he's no Saquon, but he's got talent. Like he's, he's, he's wrong. Some areas uh, he had fumbling issues, but like I saw so many flashes of greatness and he was the, the guy that I wanted the most um, out of that Eagles draft. And luckily we did take him in the second round. And for miles so far, it's been a bit of up and down his rookie year. He struggled with that tendency to, to bounce to the outside, similar to Saquon. And I don't know if it was them to like have having that same kind of issue, you know, back at Penn State, but you know he relied so much on his athletic ability, but didn't stay disciplined, and he got benched for that. You know, Deuce Daly he benched Miles uh, after the first few weeks in favor of Jordan Howard, 
But then later on in the year, Miles got better. And he showed especially his, his knack to be a great receiver out of the backfield. And so there was a lot of hope coming into last, last season. Now, last season, um, as you guys know, Eagles had a ton of injuries on the offensive line. And there were a lot of things that went on outside of Miles' control. And Miles, he kind of took a step back in the receiving department. Um, he had a lot of drops. Not all of them were his fault because he was on the same page with Carson. But, you know, those drops are inexcusable. And, you know, you, you got to clean them up. But at the same time, the part of his game that did elevate was his, his running ability between the tackles. You see him so many times be a lot more disciplined and, and get those hard-earned, hard-nosed yards between the tackles where in his rookie season he wasn't doing that. And because the Eagles are so bad, a lot of Eagles fans, uh, you know, on social media, they, they think that Miles had a down year. When in reality, if you look at the film and not the stats, Miles was a much better runner than he was in 2019. And so that development needs to continue, but he also needs to pick it up as a, as a receiver. He also has to clean up the, the fumbles. He hasn't done that uh, so far. He hasn't answered that question so far. And those, those fumbles, I, that's the biggest pet peeve of mine when it comes to running backs is, is fumbling. You fumble the ball, you're not going to be able to be trusted. And so Miles has to do that continue his development. I think his potential is, is still the same as what I thought it was coming into the draft. But again, a lot of it has to be him cleaning up certain aspects of his game to be that all around weapon. And similar to Saquon, he's got to stay healthy. He's had some nagging minor injuries here and there within the first two years of his career. And he's got to stay healthy. You know, Philadelphia, the Eagles want him to be that workhorse that featured back, but if he can't stay healthy, he's not going to be able to. And so those are the things that Miles needs to answer, but I still think the potential is, is really great. Does he have elite potential? I think it's still remains to be seen. I think he maybe does. I don't think it's on a, on a tier like Saquon, but we're talking about like a tier two running back who can be used in all aspects of the game that miles has that potential. Absolutely. And Mike, um, when the Eagles come to town and you see Miles Sanders on the field, how does that make you feel? Um, it's a little scared. <laughs> um, I can't even lie. And I actually want to ask Chuck a question about Miles. Um, I have him as a runner back in my dynasty league, so I actually follow him closer than I probably would if I wouldn't. Um, with Sirianni, the new coach, like how how is he going to fit in this offense? Because I don't know what the heck is going on out there in Philly <laughs> yeah. right now. I'm going to be honest with you. So how is he going to fit in that offense? So that's a really good question, and that's something I dived into when Sirianni was hired. I, I I looked at what the Colts did with their running backs, and with the Colts they had Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, two totally different modes of running backs. But what I liked and what I kind of hope Sirianni does is I hope he does with Miles the creative things he did with, with uh, Naeem Hines. They used Naeem Hines in such creative ways as a receiver. They had him split, him, split out wide, either in the slot or as, as the wide receiver, ran numerous types of routes. I mean, they did creative stuff with him all throughout the year. I do have a film breakdown of it on my YouTube if you want to check it out. It's it's great stuff. So when it comes to Miles, if you were to ask me how I would approach him going forward, 
uh, if I was the coach of the Eagles, I would kind of use him not as a workhorse running back getting 20 to 25 carries a game. I would like to use him in different ways, kind of like what the Saints did with Kamara. I want to see Miles get maybe 10 to 15 carries, but then get those 5 to 10 touches as catches, be used as a receiver in the slot, get, get, um, get him touches on screens, get him out in space. That way you are keeping him fresh and you are letting him do what he does best in space. That's what I would do. I think that's what Sirianni would do. So if you have him in Dynasty, if you have him in a Fantasy League as a keeper, I would hang on to him because with Sirianni, he loves to do those matchup kind of things. So I think that's what he's going to do with with Miles. Um, I think because that's exactly what they did with Hines and a, and a guy of his similar type of skill set. That's the weird part about fantasy, Ellie. <laughs> Eric, I'm I'm sitting here like, oh man, that's good news, and I'm like, wait a minute. Eagles. That's horrible. <laughs> What's going on? That's why I hate fantasy sometimes. Hey, Eric, give me your, your quick and dirty on Miles Sanders, man. How you feel about that guy? Yeah, I uh, forgot he even played last year. And it's crazy because like, I was looking at his stats and his like rushing numbers didn't really drop off from the year before. He said about 850 yards, um, roughly. So it, but the receiving, like he really, the first year that when they played Washington, the, the two times we saw him, he really just beat us up um, with, uh, with, his, with his catching ability out of the backfield. And that was just almost non-existent last year. And just, I was looking over some of his, just the high level stats and like his catch percentage, you know, he, it was like 50% last year. It was crazy low. Uh, 53.8 is what I'm reading. So he caught barely half of the passes that were thrown his way. And I know the Eagles offense was just a mess it's definitely not all on him because that whole team, it just fell apart last year. Um, but, you know, based on what I saw from him, his rookie year, he is, he is a lot of talent. Very, he's unfortunately one of the, the backs on this, in this discussion that I probably paid the least attention to. But um, from what I remember of watching him play when, you know, when the Eagles offense was effective, uh, he can be a very good running back. And he really, he hurt Washington in, in the games that they played against them. Um, and I think, you know, with maybe some more stable quarterback play and kind of what Chucks was saying about moving him, getting him in the, getting him more involved in the passing game, getting him out in the open field, getting him in some space. Um, I think, yeah, he can be a really effective uh, running back and he could be a real problem for a lot of teams. Yeah. I'm always curious why I don't see him on the field more in key situations with the Eagles, but it's a good problem for us because he's not hurting us. So yeah. Like I honestly, when I was, when, when we, you gave me this assignment, I was thinking like who even plays running back for the Eagles. I know they had like 50 of them, but I couldn't think of like anybody who actually <laughs> contributed for them last year. And I was like, Oh yeah. Miles Sanders. I remember that guy from two years ago. It's no longer window Smallwood. So um, <laughs> uh, Jackson. Uh, Zeke, is he over the hill? Is he done? <laughs> that's, that's the big question. And it's, it's tough to say like, the, the Eagles fan in me want to say, yeah, he's done, he's done. But it's it's too easy to say. I think that, you know, he definitely did not look the same last year. But a lot of that Cowboys offensive line did not look the same. Now, you know, he's not you, – you can go off the stats and receptions, but if you look at the film, Zeke is not the type of receiver that, you know, Saquon or Miles or even Gibson, who we'll get into, you know, he is. He's not the type that you can split out wide and – have him run routes, you know what I mean? Or he's, he's the type of guy who, who's reliable near the line of scrimmage. He's the type of guy who is going to be a workhorse, kind of like a, you know, your featured back, and that's what he was. But when you have those type of running backs, 
when the offensive line goes, so does their production a little bit. And when you have that offensive line hurting for Dallas like it was last year, it's going to have its toll on, on, on Zeke. And with Zeke, a lot of the things that I saw from him last year, there was, there was a lack of burst, a lot of contact balance. I mean, he's, he's known for someone who has that, that burst to, to get into that second and third level after he gets past the first wave. But then also he has that elite contact balance where he fights off contact so, so well. But I didn't see that. He didn't break as many tackles last year. And, you know, again, I talked about it with Miles. Those fumbles, those fumbles are killer. I think that one game, I, I forget who it was against, but he had like three fumbles or something like that. And it was when that's so deflating, not only for a player, a running back, but for a team. And so he's, I don't know with Zeke, it's, if it's come to a point where it's, it's never going to get cleaned up. Because you look at his his fumbles, each of his career, it's always been an issue. Each of and and so like it's it's amazing that he's been able to be have have this elite production even with the fumbles. But he's been too good for too long for me to say he's definitely over the hill. I am willing to see another year and give him another a chance and, and still consider him an elite player who just had a down year. And see where the Cowboys are. You know, Dak is coming back. Hopefully they can shore up some of that offensive line. And if there's more stability, I think Zeke can get back to being more consistent. So that, that's where, where I figured with Zeke, yeah, he, had a, he looked over the hill. But I, it, I, I want to chalk it up. You know, as an Eagles fan, I hope he is. I hope he's over the hill. But as just a running back fan in general, football fan, it, it's too – it's still too early for me to say that he's done. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of questions around him though. And, you know, you got to come some slack because Dak wasn't there last year. Um, but Mike, has he lived up to the hype? You mean for his career? Overall. Yeah. His career. Yeah. I would say so. He, um, he started off hot. He started off really hot and it's easy to say, he had this beast offensive line, so of course he was going to put up the stats that he put up. I mean, sure, but he was also catching more when he first came into the league. He just had more of an impact. Like like you said, last year, there was a lot going on in Dallas, especially when Dak got injured. But um, my favorite play from Zeke last year actually was bad for him. Remember that first Dallas game? When um, Cole Holcomb came on a blitz, Cole Holcomb came, lit him up. <laughs> yeah, lit ran right him through him. Up and then got the um, sack on. I think Dalton was still in at the time. So, yeah, that's the image I see in Zeke right now. So, yeah, his future is iffy. But for his career, nah, he never busted. He was all right. Worthy of the pick. All right, Eric, do you think Dallas regrets the contract extension they gave him? They should. Um, I, I don't know that they do, but I, you know, you give that, you give that long-term deal to a, a running back who is a feature type running back who generally, I mean, the shelf life on those guys isn't super long, but I think the biggest regret they should have is pairing him with Mike McCarthy, because anytime you bring in a genius, I mean, in today's NFL, when you hear the term offensive genius, it's somebody who likes to throw the ball. And uh, Zeke had, I think, a career low or close to a career low in carries last year. 
certainly a career low for 16. I, I don't think he had 300 carries. I, I think he had, actually, I should look it up before I start talking. I'll, I'll pull that up while I'm taking a look here. But um, yeah, so he had a career, yeah, 244 carries, uh, 244 carries last season. Um, his previous career low was 242, and that was when he only played 10 games in 2017. So he's not getting the touches. Um, he had close to 1,000 yards even in a down year. So I don't think he's washed up. I just think that Mike McCarthy's offense probably isn't the best thing for him. Um, you know, he's, he's a pass, he's a pass first offensive uh, coach. And that's the kind of thing that is going to not be great for the career. The good thing is that he may have a, a longer career because he's not going to be touching the ball as much. He's not going to be getting 350, 400 carries a year uh, into his late twenties. Um, but he is relatively young still. And I think he's got some good years left in him. And I think you'll see some, some occasional flashes and big games from him. But I just think from a consistency standpoint, um, him and Mike McCarthy probably aren't the best fit. I don't like any Cowboys, so I got nothing to say about Zeke. Um, all right, we're going to go to our lightning round because we saved the best for last. Uh, Chuck, give me your two-minute evaluation of Antonio Gibson. Oh, I, I, I was a fan of Antonio Gibson since I watched him in, in uh, pre-draft last year. He's so intriguing. Um, I remember listening to one of your shows, and you guys com comped him to Brian Westbrook, who's my favorite running back of all time. I, I really am flattered with that comparison. Um, it's I see where you get it with the, with the versatility. I think with his running style, though, it's a little different from, from what Westbrook was. I think as just a runner and, and his build, I comped him last year to the running style of Cordero Patterson. I know Patterson's a wide receiver, but you have that that build, that, long, that taller build and it's muscular, but it's, he's still so explosive. And when I was watching... I don't know if you guys saw, I, I did a breakdown of his game against Dallas, yeah. Gibson's game against Dallas, I think on Thanksgiving. And Gibson showed so much more improvement as, as a runner with his vision. Um, he got he did a much better job at getting low too, dropping his weight and making such dynamic and smooth cuts you know, behind the line of scrimmage. His development, I think, so far is at a is ahead of where Miles was after his first year. And I think Gibson has, has a really, really high ceiling as well. Um, you know, just like with Miles, I think they're both on that, had that type of upside. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gibson and I loved what he did last year for you guys and seeing his development. It's, it's very intriguing. I just want to see him now used more as a receiver because he has that ability. You know, he did it. He played slot receiver for Memphis and he did a really good job at it. So use him more as a receiver, in the slot, flex him out wide, all that. But he's I, – I, I really like Gibson a lot. I love him too. Mike, is Gibson the future for us? Yeah, he's the future. Even though I do feel like we still need another running back next season, that's only the pair or spell Gibson. But we saw the impact he had, especially like Chuck said, as the season increased, Gibson got better. It sucks that he got injured at the end of the year. We got robbed um, probably of a good, a couple of good performances. He was mainly up in the Eagles game and the um, playoff game versus the Bucks, so that was disappointing. But as far as the future, yeah, he's man. I can't, I can't wait to see that formation when he starts out in the backfield and motions out, and Curtis Samuels comes in the backfield to replace him. That's going to be crazy. So, yeah, the future is bright for Gibson and Washington. Absolutely. Eric, how excited are you about Gibson? 
Very much so. Um, he's his he's going to be he's he's going to be as good as he wants to be, and that's a really I can't think of a better compliment to get give, give to a, a running back for as as raw as he was at the beginning of the year to see how much he improved toward the end of the year. I mean, really, the sky's the limit for him. He can really be a top back in the league um, if he commits to it. And I've seen nothing from him or heard nothing about him that indicates that he doesn't have that he has any sort of issues with his work ethic. So I'm very excited for what he can do, provided he can stay healthy. I think the sky's the limit for Antonio Gibson. Absolutely. All right, Chuck, before we let you go, rank, rank the running backs in the division that we talked about um, one through four. So are we going off like currently or like entering? Let, let's go, let's go, season? let's go the next five years, future projections. Future projection. All right. So I, I'm going to have to say Saquon is, is going to be the, the cream of the crop. I, I, I said that, you know, he's a generational talent. And I'm going to, I'm going to stick to it until I see his injuries really play a long-term effect on them. So I'm going to have to go next five years. I'll take Saquon. Um, and then after that, I'm going to have to go Gibson. I think Gibson by a hair over miles only because like I said, I think his, his development is further along after one year than what miles miles was after one year. Um, so I'm going to next five years, I'm going to have to go Gibson. I think Gibson has already shown to be a little bit more, more disciplined already. Um, and so I, and I think his, uh, I think his, just his ceiling is a little bit higher, maybe not by much. And it pains me to say that <laughs> because I love miles. So third, and when I'm going to have to put again, next five years, miles, again, really high ceiling. And I think him and Gibson are going to be really, really good. Uh, running backs for for this division for a long long time and then Zeke I think again he has I think he has another year or two but with the pounding and the and the the tread on his tires being worn out so much after carrying the ball so much I think after the next year or two we're really going to see that's where we're going to see the drop off of course you know unfortunately for workhorse workhorse running backs that's just how it is and that's why a lot of people try to ease the load of running backs nowadays with you know, with duos and, and, and committees. But I think, unfortunately, after a year or two, we're going to see Zeke kind of, like, fall, fall out. I like that order. I might have a little different. Mike, anything you disagree with in that list real quick? Nah, I, I, I agree. Barkley, number one, until he has his full season where he looks like trash, I'll still bet on his potential. I like it, Eric. Any changes to that list? Um, no, I might have uh, Gibson a little closer to Barkley, but I still think, yeah, Barkley, Gibson, Sanders. I think there's maybe a little more distance between Gibson and Sanders and Zeke. An excellent running back, but he's like 27. So I just, in five, you know, for the next five years, I just don't see him getting better. Um, so I got to put him at the, la at the bottom. All right. So we know the draft is coming up. And, and for me, this is one of my favorite times of the year because you always feel like you get so much better immediately after the draft. You don't know if that's true or not, but that's how you feel, you know, coming out of the draft. So there's been a lot of different people who have been mocked to us, but I think it's really focused on four people. Uh, so we're going to walk through those real quick, see if we think they're a good fit. Let's start with Zayvon Collins. This is a guy that is a, a bigger linebacker, right? And we know linebackers a need for us. And I've seen him mock to us more and more, and I hear people getting really excited about him. Um, 
Mike, what are your thoughts? If he ended up with us, would you be happy about it? Tell me why or why not. So it's interesting that we're talking about him. I've seen a couple of articles and tweets and whatnot that he's interested in playing edge or defensive end. But when you watch him at um, Tulsa, he has those coverage skills that we need right now. So if he's the pick, all I can think about is the versatility that he brings to a dominant defense already. You can you can line him up at edge sometimes if you wanted to. We see how many times um, Del Rio loves to drop um, sweat and um, I forgot his name, <laughs> Chase Young. We've seen how Del Rio likes to drop them in the coverage. So if you could add another versatile player, you know Rivera likes players that's playing multiple positions. So I think that when I heard about him wanting to play edge, it made me want to draft him even more, to be honest with you. That, that would be an interesting combination of just positional fit. You know, that's that's we need a lot of dynamic players on a roster. Um, Eric, how you feel about Zayvon? Yeah, I, I read the same thing Mike did and Initially, it was intriguing, but I'm a little concerned that his he weighed in at like 270 pounds. So at that size, <laughs> that kind of takes that kind of takes inside linebacker out of the equation when you come in that big. Um, he's almost exclusively edge rusher at that point, which um, up until this point, just watching the guy had such good range in college and he played smaller in college. He was like in the 250 range in college, 255 range, something like that, I believe. And he played so fast and he was sideline to sideline. And a lot of people were projecting him at edge. And I'm looking at him like, this dude is like an inside linebacker, a weak side linebacker at worst, could potentially play middle linebacker. But now at 270, um, you have to wonder how much that has affected his range, his speed a little bit. Um, not that that guy still can't be fast. Obviously, we've seen Montez Sweat be that fast, Chase Young be that fast. But the change of direction, kind of the skill set, I think changes a little bit when you get that big. Um, so he's more of an edge. So I've, I've actually soured on him a little bit based on the most recent reports. Not that I don't like him as a player. I just don't know that he's the best fit for this defense now. Yeah, I, I like him too. I'm a little concerned that he's John Bostic in coverage. And I think we, you know, we saw what that was like a little bit last year, but just his size and versatility, I would not at all be upset if we ended up with Zayvon Collins, um, pro football network who does a great job giving you information about draftable players. Uh, the negatives here are just that he's not overly quick and occasionally gets caught upfield and out of position. That sounds like every linebacker we've had for the last 10 years. Um, but he's also explosive. He impacts the game. And that's what we don't have right now at the linebacker position. So I would be, I would be okay with this guy coming in. If you see this guy in his jersey on the field, it reminds me of that guy from Baylor a few years ago that made everybody else look like a kid. Was it Sean Oakman or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he looks like in his, just not his rip, but he's that kind of big. You know what I mean? So um, I would not be upset. All right. So I think the most obvious projection is Darisaw out of Virginia Tech, the offensive lineman. I think most assume mm -hmm. he's going to be a tackle at the NFL level. Um, Eric, I'm going to kick it back to you. If we walked out of the draft with Darisaw, how are you feeling coming out of that draft? No problems with that at all. He's what this team has had. And we, and we, in the last two years have really made us notice it, but we've been really spoiled as fans for the last 20 years of having elite left tackle play. Uh, move, I mean, going straight from Chris Samuels to Trent Williams, 
was just you kind of you forgot how important that position is because those guys locked it down so well for so long. Um, and, and, and I really didn't think Cornelius Lucas was that bad last year. I actually thought he was pretty good. So I, I don't think left tackle specifically is a high priority need. But if you can upgrade and you can get uh, somebody with Darisaw's athleticism, um, I have no problem with taking Darisaw. It's, you know, it's kind of a safe, boring pick, but sometimes that works out best for you. So if we walked out of the draft with Darisaw at 19, I got no problem with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's almost too obvious of a fit. Mike, do you think he's going to be around when we pick? That's that's the key question. And you know how in the draft that players fall that you don't expect to fall. You know why they fall? Because players that you don't expect to get drafted that high get drafted that high. So I don't know these projections of him falling to 19. I would say this. If since he takes a offensive tackle with their first pick, then I can almost guarantee you that Darisaw won't be available at 19. No, that's that's a great point because last year you saw such a tremendous run on tackles early in the draft, and the Giants I think took one of the first ones. They might got the worst out the bunch. So you never, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> you never know with tackles. Um, Pro Football Network says he's slow picking up blitzes, he overextends on occasion, struggles to adjust, lacks quicks, and he's uh, not fluid with footwork off the edge. Um, He is a strong player, though. What he reminds me of is Morgan Moses, and I like Morgan Moses more than most as a right tackle. I get a little bit concerned when you tell me this guy's going to be our left tackle. Um, I'm not seeing elite traits personally there. Would I be upset? No. Would I want them to do something else? Most likely, yes. I I like what I see. I just don't know if I see future star left tackle potential um, out of Darisaw. So, all right. So moving along, um, we got Jamin Davis. um, Maybe Jamin Davis. Depends how you say it. I say Jamin Davis. Um, What do we know about him, Mike? And what are your thoughts on him? Well, you know he's coming out of the SEC, so you know you're getting that that heritage from that the SEC brings, even though it's from Kentucky. We already see with Josh Davis. I mean, um, is it Josh Davis? You know the edge out in Jacksonville. Allen, um, I think it is. Yeah. Allen, yes. I don't know why I said Davis, <laughs> but uh, Josh Allen out in Jacksonville, he's doing this thing. I've seen highlights of him. I like the way he covers um, in the past. And honestly, that's like number one for me coming out of the draft. Can we get a linebacker that can cover a freaking tight end? Please. Like, please, can we get a linebacker that's covering a tight end? I think that he's able to do that and still make impact plays across the field. Eric, he's 6'2", almost, he's close to 6'3". 234. Do you have concerns with him playing where we're going to need to play next year? Next year, yes. I think that the thing about him is that if you're drafting him, I don't know that he's a day one impact player. He's got 11 starts in college total. So I think he's a you're you're drafting him for the future. I don't have a problem with drafting him at 19. Although I always am a little bit um, skeptical of guys who shoot up the draft board in like 
March and April that suddenly just like everybody wants him. There's always a concern because what 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 was wrong with him in January that like we don't we weren't paying attention to him, but now all of a sudden he's super, you know. So you you the combine superstar thing kind of concerns me a little bit. Um I read his uh, pro comp, one of the pro comps I read from him was like Darius Leonard. I'm like, yeah, totally, I'll take that. Um, but I just don't know that he's got the experience to step in as a day one impact player. So there's there's some bust potential there. There's some disappointment early on from fans because, you know, if he's a first round draft pick, we may end up being a little impatient with him. Um, mm -hmm. I think he potentially could be a really, really good player, but it may just take a little bit of time to bring him along to become that player. So that's the only concern there. Um, but I do think that, you know, if they walk out of there with him at 19, I think they have potentially a very good linebacker. I didn't know you only had 11 starts in college. That is, I wouldn't say it's concerning, but you know, Rivera likes to bring those experienced type players in. So yeah, it's just something to keep in mind. Like he's just, like I said, he may not be that guy from day one, but he could end up, you know, becoming that guy. It may just take him, you know, half a season or maybe a full season to develop. I also wonder if, we had played a full college season with all the teams last year. Would he still be in the same position he is now in terms of the draft standing? Um, you know, it says that he plays a little slower than his 40 time. That's a concern for me. Anytime you got a smaller linebacker who's playing slower than their 40 time on film, I, I don't know about that. He's athletic, but it doesn't always show up on tape. I need to see more um, from him to feel comfortable about where he might go. Um, so for me, I'd probably want to see them go in a different direction. Okay, so moving to Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. This is a linebacker, and you notice a theme here, right? A lot of linebackers getting mocked to the skins. It's another obvious need. Now, JOK, has the hype's been with him all season, so I don't think he's new to the hype. Mike, give it to me, man. If we get, a more, uh, if we get JOK, are you okay with that? Pun intended. Yeah, I think I'm more than okay, and that's by far the name I see mocked the most of Washington right now. And I get it. He's playing like, and linebackers, they're supposed to be these big, mean monsters. We already seen Darius Leonard. He's one of the smallest um, linebackers in the league. We've seen the impact that he can make. I just feel like, and I mentioned it earlier with um, Collins, when you have coaches like Del Rio and Rivera, if they pick this person, they're not picking them because they he would be good. They know that they can input input him into their system and he can ball out. So heck not, nah, I'll be thrilled with this pick if that's the pick. Well, there's light and then there's helium balloons. And this kid is a helium balloon, okay? He's 216 pounds Dang, at 6'2", <laughs> as a linebacker. Um, Redshirt Jr., Eric, if we get this guy, uh, how are you feeling about it? Not great. Um, he's so small that, you know, the hybrid thing we've been seeing the last couple of years with guys like Isaiah Simmons last year and was it Shaq Wilson a couple of years ago where, you know, that's – they keep telling us that that's the next thing that's going to be really needed. So you want these little 215, 220 pound hybrid guys that are really fast. And we've yet to see one of those guys really come in and be really that good. I mean, even Darius Leonard, like you said, he's a smaller linebacker, but he's closer to like uh, Jamin Davis size. He's about, uh, Leonard's like 230. Um, so that's, you know, 15 pounds means a lot at the linebacker position. Um, so I am a little wary of JOK just because of that. We haven't seen that type of player come in and make the impact that they were projected to have. And 
I'm not a trendsetter type guy. Um, I would prefer to be a little safer with my first round pick. That's a real boomer bust. He could turn out to be that dude. And honestly, the other thing that I, I think about this, uh, this topic is, you know, you've got Landon Collins sitting there who could essentially be your JOK and you're already paying him. Now you're paying him way more than you'd be paying JOK. So there's that too. But Land, that's kind of the role that I almost see Landon Collins going through this year, that kind of drop down into the box fourth linebacker guy that can, you know, do a lot of things and use speed to get to play the run and, and cover tight ends. So I am not a hundred percent or even anywhere close to hundred percent on board with JOK at linebacker. He could potentially be a very good player. I just don't want to take the chance at 19. Yeah. Because of the running backs in the division that we have, I get a little nervous with JOK squaring up with them. I know he brings the lumber when he gets a head start, but filling gaps in the hole, I'm not sure I'd like him in that position. Um, the ideal role from the draft network says base four, three wheel linebacker, three down defender who moves to the box safety and sub packages, scheme fit, even front blitz oriented pass rush defense. I don't know. I don't, I don't like tweeners. I've said this before because I think we yeah. talked about JLK on a prior podcast. I'm not a huge fan of tweener players. I like role-defined players who know what the, know what's expected of them, and they only expect to do one thing or one role, and they do it at an elite level. I'm not a huge fan of this. Um, all right, Mike, let's close it out like this. Um, if you had to pick one of those guys at 19, and you it was your choice of all four, who are you going with? Uh, out of all four, <laughs> I would probably like to trade back, honestly. But I think the safest choice would be Darisaw, only because you input a left tackle on the offense that you know is dependable, reliable. You don't have to worry about anything right there. So if Darisaw is available, if JOK is available, Either one I wouldn't trip off of, but Darisaw is the safer pick. And in the first round, we want to go with the safer choice. All right, Eric, put your GM hat. Same question for you. So I'm going to backtrack on what I said before, and I think I might roll the dice on Jamin Davis at that spot because of Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. Um, both have had a lot of success bringing linebackers along in the league. And both are there for him. And I think that he could be that player that they want, that they need in the middle of the defense. He could really be that guy. He's really, he's got the talent. It's just bringing it out of him and getting consistency. So I, I would trust the coaches to bring that out of him. So based on who our coaching staff is and the type of defense that Washington plays, then I would go with uh, Jamin Davis. Barely over Darisaw. Barely. Okay. If we're up to me, I'd go with Zayvon Collins. And you mentioned it, Eric, because of the coaches, we have such tenured defensive minds on our staff. I think I would trust them with the Zayvon Collins. Is he going to fill our middle linebacker need at the NFL level? I don't know that. He might be more of a Preston Smith that we had a couple years ago. You know, who knows? Um, but I think he's enough of, the, of a defensive asset and his floor is high enough that I would feel comfortable with him in the first round where I have questions about everybody else at, at pick number 19. Like we said with Darisaw, is he a left tackle in the NFL? I don't know. We already have a right tackle in Morgan Moses. Is he going to unseat Morgan Moses? Probably not, not right away. And then do you feel comfortable moving Morgan to the left tackle? Uh, not yet. Um, you know, Jamin Davis, still, I don't know enough about him. I don't think I've seen enough of him yet. I got concerns. 
Um, and then we talked about JOK and I just expressed my concerns on him. So I think Zayvon Collins is the one guy that I think at 19, I would feel most comfortable walking out of the draft with. Fellas, uh, well, that's the end of our podcast. Again, shout out to uh, Grafted App. Make sure you guys get registered there so people can find your business. Um, Mike, man, thanks for hopping on with us, man. And, and once again, before we go, tell folks where they can find you and your podcast. And uh, what's up, Eddie? <laughs> anytime, anytime. So I'm on Twitter at Mike from Southwest, the abbreviated Southwest. That's at Mike from SW. And as far as the podcast, just search Eddie and Mike, the podcast on any platform. There it is. Eric, man, uh, you know, as usual, thanks for thanks for joining on with me, co-hosting this thing we call the Washington football team declassified podcast. We'll be back next week. Eric, anything you want to say to the people before we go? As always, peace out, homies. And that's to all the homies. We out.